This is Jedrick Wills, left tackle for the Cleveland Browns, and you're listening to the Browns Huddle Podcast. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Brown Subtle Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hand. We are part of the Zedia Network, which is media spelled with a Z. To listen to other great podcasts, go to ZediaNetwork.com or check them out on Twitter at Zedia Network. Today is Veterans Day, so happy Veterans Day. Thank you to all that have served and those who are currently serving, all the men and women who serve this great country. I see the statistics. I I know that we have listeners in, of this podcast in 10 different countries. And I know that some of that audience in other countries are probably our military. And they listen from afar to get their Cleveland Browns news. So I thank you guys. I thank you so much for choosing us, the Browns Huddle Podcast, to keep up with all of your Cleveland Browns news. Joining me on the Brown Settle podcast on Veterans Day is Mo Ingram, a 24-year veteran of the United States Air Force. You can find him on Twitter at Rev7206. That's at R-E-V7206. Mo, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Jason, for having me on. Uh, it was um, just really, it's really a pleasure and an honor for me just be able to get on here and talk about some uh, talk about some sports and be able to make contact and make new friends. Absolutely, Mo. Well, th- this, as I shared with you before the episode, this is very fitting that that you are a guest on the Brown Subtle podcast today on Veterans Day. <laughs> you shared with me uh, a little bit about your bio. You're a 24-year veteran of the United States Air Force. So yes, I, I want to start off the show just by personally just thanking you, man, for, for serving our country. And, and it's folks like you, the men and women of our uh, armed forces that, that protect our country and just help keep it safe and, and really just to make it the best country on the planet because that's what it is, man. The United States is the best country on the entire globe. And so I just thank you for your service, man. Hey, I, I appreciate it. Um, I can't say enough about um, when people say thank you, how much that means. The one thing that I will say about that that is extremely important is, uh, Jason, you don't understand how much that really means to a, um, a veteran or somebody that's serving. Particularly last time, one of the last times I deployed, we came back through BWI after um, you know the, the deployment, and we had the line, the wall was just lined with we're talking like people in their 70s and their 80s and their 60s. And these were all people who were veterans. And they, as soon as we walked off the plane, they're like clapping and saying, welcome home. Now, it wasn't my family, but to have all those people there, man, I, I mean, other than leaving my family again, I probably would have went back around to the deployed location and did it again just to get that kind of welcome. So thank you. Um, and I appreciate it. And all of my uh, brothers and sisters who are here, and overseas uh, appreciate the fact that you guys support us. Man, that that warms my heart, Mo. Just hearing hearing a story like that. Uh, I, this is going to be a long shot, but have you ever served? Were you ever uh, stationed at Luke Air Force Base in Arizona? No, I was not. I was not stationed at Luke Air Force Base. Uh, I wish I was. That would have been awesome. 
Um, I spent the majority of my time um, at White Men Air Force Base Avionics um, Specialist on the B-2 bomber, stealth bomber. Okay. Vast majority. Um, the reason why I bring that up, when, when I was I, probably junior, maybe, okay, junior high, maybe even high school, maybe my early years of high school, I had a project due for career day. And one of the things that I wanted to do that my, the path in my life just took me a different direction, but I wanted to serve in the armed forces. I wanted to be an air force pilot. So what I did was for, for my project, I remember this, I, I called Luke air force base. I must've got the number out of the phone book because back then there was no Google or anything like that. So I probably picked up the phone book, looked up Luke air force base and, and called the number and whoever answered the phone, it was a lady. I, I asked to speak to an air force pilot and she, she asked me why. And I told her I was doing a project for school and she said, hold please. And she put me on hold and lo and behold man an air force pilot came on the phone with me talked to me for about 30 minutes probably maybe even 45 minutes mm. i interviewed him he answered my questions just real, it was just awesome man and i'll never forget that as long as i live that mm. a, a guy that i've never met before and probably haven't met in my life took the time out of his day and probably was busy um to you know, to entertain a kid that just had a dream of being an Air Force pilot. And even though that didn't happen for me, I just really will never forget that. So that's awesome. I mean, that that, that sounds about right. Um, I think you could get it with any branch, but that sounds about right that a pilot, uh, most of our pilots or one of our pilots would do that. Um, and that's awesome. That that makes yeah. me feel good. Because we does. need to take care of our, um, sorry, control. we need to take care of the fact that you know, you to some people and to most people, um, they think you know what we do is they they appreciate what we do, and so we should uh, we should basically give the opportunity to kind of give back whenever we get the chance. Absolutely. Well, Mo, I'm excited, man. We are past the bye week. <laughs> the bye week happened, in my opinion, at the perfect time, right? I mean, because. W- we had some injuries that that needed needed healing, and the bye week came. I mean, think about this: the the news, and we'll get in this in, in in a minute. But the news with Baker Mayfield getting in close contact with someone who had COVID nineteen. Had that not been a bye week, you would have missed the ball game. But because right. we're in a bye week, Baker Mayfield's not going to miss any time. He returned to practice today or yesterday. I mean, this is going to drop Thursday. So this is Wednesday that, that Mo and I are talking, but um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited, man. We're, we're off the bye week. Uh, we have players coming back from injury. This is going to be a healthy five and three Cleveland Browns football team. How are you feeling right now about this? I mean, I'm stoked. Like you said about the people coming back. I mean, one of the things I was going to, I got written in my notes, Jason is Wyatt Teller coming back. Now here's the thing. I'm not going to take all the meat off the bone with that, but I want to share something that I learned from Orlovsky today on ESPN. The Browns averaged 5.5 yards per rush with Wyatt Teller, Wyatt Teller in the game. And we've been averaging 3.9 yards per rush when he hasn't been in the game. Now, I'm not dogging Chris Wallace for the fact that he played at tackle and also switched to guard, but I'm really interested to... to Hubbard? To, to, Chris Hubbard? Chris Hubbard, yes. Thank you. Thank yes. you for correcting me. Chris Hubbard. So tell me a little bit about what, what have you seen with the running game with, you know, the fact Teller has been there. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely – I think it's coupled with the fact that, you know, Chubb got hurt in the first quarter of the Cowboys game. And then the next game against the Colts, Wyatt Teller goes down with a calf injury. So couple those two things together. Cream uh, Hunt hasn't been as healthy as we'd like him to be or as he'd like him to be. So, yeah, our running game has struggled over the past games without those two in the lineup. So, yes, I'm excited that because we've seen what happens when those two, Nick Chubb and Wyatt Teller, are both in the lineup. I mean, mm-hmm. Wyatt Teller – was the highest rated Cleveland Browns, according to PFF, in the ratings. Um, Mm. He had like a 94 rating, which is ridiculous. This is somebody, you know, at the the right guard position that before the season we were, you know, excited about, but not – we didn't really see what he was going to do to help our run game. So, Wyatt Teller, yeah, I'm excited that he's back. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point about Wyatt Teller because I'm going to be honest with you. Coming into this season, listening to his name, I'm like, oh, man, couldn't we have gotten anybody else? And to watch our run game with him, then without him, and even even before that, I mean, we, we have that trap play that we like to run where we're coming off and he's pulling. And I can tell you right now, he gets there at the perfect time right before Hunt or, I mean, Chubb has to actually either cut back against the grain behind him or just stand behind him and, you know, that play goes on average for anywhere from four to seven yards. It's it's exciting, man. To, to, I mean, because, right, this is the strength of our team. When you look at the Cleveland Browns offense, we can talk about defense in a little while, but when you look at the offensive side of the ball, the strength of our team is our run game. We haven't been healthy in that department in the past uh, four or five games, right, with uh, Wyatt Teller and Nick Chubb uh, hurt. So them coming back, that – helps the strength of our offense. I, I think that that just opens up everything with Baker Mayfield, our receivers. I mean, OBJ uh, had successful surgery yesterday. He's obviously going to be mm-hmm. out the rest of the year. We knew that. But it, uh, Kevin Stefanski said in a press conference uh, yesterday that OBJ is scheduled to return to t- in 2021 season. So that's good news. Um before we get into uh, the Cleveland Browns and the, the Houston Texans, we play them this coming Sunday. Uh, we just met, Mo. So tell us and, and the viewer, uh, viewers, the listeners, how you became a Cleveland Browns fan. Because I'm always interested to hear the story because most people have different stories. We all don't come from the same background as far as being Browns fans. Well, my story is kind of uh, just a, basically a homegrown story. I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, grew up in the late um, late seventies, so you probably figure how old I am. But one of the things I grew up I grew up watching as a Browns fan. Uh, you can date me on this. Listening to the Browns when they were on WHK fourteen twenty, and Nev Chandler was the radio voice of the Browns at that time. <laughs> now I keep saying grew up watching them or listening to them on WHK, but that was because back in my day when the Browns in the late seventies weren't that great. We weren't seeing them on TV a whole lot if they were in Cleveland because, of course, the blackout rules. And as a kid, I remember vividly, Browns would sell about 70,000 tickets and people would get on Friday and they would say on the news, please come and buy the rest of the tickets. And I'm thinking it's a bunch of tickets left and games were not selling out by maybe 4,000 tickets. And that was until TV stations were coming by. But in any event, I grew up at that time and my brother is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, diehard. So as a kid, my most vivid memories of the Browns and the Steelers were of my brother, who's older than me, just 
just totally just dogging me out because the Browns were in the midst of the 17-year Three Rivers losing streak. And I would always go into the game with so much hope, thinking the Browns would win. And almost every year, somebody would get hurt in that game where the Browns played the Steelers. It was Jack Ham or Jack Lambert trying to put out Brian Sype or Mike Pruitt or something like that. But really, my passion for the Browns really started around 1980 with the Cardiac Kids. Um, and actually, what's interesting is um, you may not want to know this, and I may be taking too much time, but three couple weeks ago when we won the game against Cincinnati, I was so scared of a Hail Mary because of the pass that Tommy Kramer threw to Amir Rashad back at the old Met. It was a Hail Mary against the Browns that cost the Browns the division title, but luckily the Browns went on the road the next week, beat the Cincinnati Bengals that year in 1980, and we ended up having a home playoff game. So you're, so you're, uh, you're, what you're, um, you had some flashbacks is what you had, right? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because <laughs> we only had one guy rushing and I'm like, Oh my God, somebody just, and, and then the other part is I'm like, they got receivers like T Higgins and AJ Green, six, five and six, three. I'm like, man, we got small DBs. So I just, uh, yeah. When that know. ball was in the air, my, my heart mm-hmm. stopped and yes. It took a long time for that ball to go in the end zone, and it did make the end zone. Thankfully, that ball hit the ground. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with you, man. That was that was uh, that was heads up. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to take over whatever, but you know, one day, Jason, we had to get together and talk about this thing with our fans. Um, I think the Browns and, and our fan base is just a whole lot of different things going on with how you know our fans are in two completely different generations, either pre-move. Fans who were fans of the Browns pre-move who know anything about when we used to be decent or whatever with Bernie or whatever, and the fans who are post-move. It, I mean, that's something. I, I really wish somebody would do a show about. Um, maybe we could do that one day. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely that. two different perspectives, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, before the move, at least we had some success. Uh, right. We were in the playoffs a lot. Um, it didn't mm-hmm. fare too well for us. I. My most my uh, memories of when I was a kid was the drive and the fumble those days. Um, I remember the the playoff game against the Bills, you know, um, with Don Beebe in the head bounce. Yeah, I remember those kind of games, man. Mm-hmm. And um, fans of today, they they didn't get to experience that. Obviously, they can look it up on YouTube, but they didn't get to experience that. And I'm so grateful that I was. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the thing The thing that I'm going to say about this, and I'll just uh, get off of it, is that um, part of that goes back to kind of like the conversations I have with my sons in that when I was talking about the uniforms, the old uniforms, I didn't really, the ones that we just got out of, I, I, I couldn't stand them. And I was, I wanted the Browns to go to what they did this year, orange pants with the stripe, the same as on the helmet. And so my son is like, why? And I showed him pictures of the Browns at the stadium when they were playing and the the thing I was I loved was the fact that the game that I show him a picture of was the game where the Browns were playing in September. And so they still sharing the stadium with the Indians. So you got the infield grass <laughs> yeah. and the and everything. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 different. It's different because um with them as far as the traditions and some of the other things, since they haven't experienced any of that winning that you referred to they don't really they, they don't have the perspective of, of what the Browns were like when they were winning and, and, and the town was in love with them and all they've experienced is just this you know 
20 years is just a constant restart, just constant restarts. And we're just horrible. So, you know, but and, and that's uh, Mo, that's, that's what's really special about a year like this and in the direction the Browns are going for the first time. And you just mentioned 20 years. I'll just say that the first time in 20 years, I feel like we are building something that is stable. We're not building something that's going to go away in a year or two from now. Mm-hmm. We're building something for longevity. And that's what I'm most excited about, you know, with the leadership of Kevin Stefanski, um, Andrew Barry, for me, that's where it starts. You know, um, you could talk about our team and Baker Mayfield and I'm excited about all that, but I'm really excited about our, our leadership and the, and the decisions that they've been making since they came on board? I mean, thing is, like you said, it just seems like they have some continuity, like they're working together. You don't hear people making like outlandish statements and press conferences. Their voices seem very tempered in what they're talking about. And the one thing I can say is um, Andrew Berry's really did a great job just really kind of having an even hand, not going too fast, not going, you know, just not trying to make the big splash with every move. And I'm, I'm really grateful that he's there. I just, you know, I hope that we kind of give him the time to kind of develop and let the roster evolve so that he can actually help us build something. Like you said, that's sustainable. No doubt. No doubt. Well, let's, let's get into some recent Browns news. Um, We had the Baker Mayfield COVID scare last, last week we, he was put on the COVID-19 um, they, what do they call it? The reserve injured reserve mm-hmm. list. Is that what they call it? Yes, he was on that so. list and you immediately think, Oh my gosh, Baker's got COVID. Right. But then you learn that he didn't have COVID. Well, they didn't know for sure, but he came in close contact with a staff member that did test positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, Baker, uh, you know, this is what I mentioned before. We're thankfully, man, we were on a bye week and it, he didn't lose any playing time or even practice time. Really? He, you know, he, he came back to practice today. Uh, Baker self-quarantined himself for five days. He got two negative tests in a row, returned to practice today. So, Mo, we've been pretty fortunate this year as far as COVID's concerned. Now, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, why, why have we been fortunate in that area? And then you see the other teams that have just been a disaster. I mean, you know, uh, I wish I knew the answer to that, Jason, as to why it seems like the Browns haven't been had a bunch of people hit with, um, you know, these things. And we haven't had our games, like, kind of like what the Titans went through that nightmare with, you know, a couple weeks in a row, games were like 12 days apart or something like that. Um, I think one of the things is what seems to be happening, and I I don't have anything to base this off of, uh, it seems like the guys really trust whatever it is that Andrew Berry and Stefanski are talking about. It seems like they really trust and want to win, not only for the organization, but it almost feels like it's, for each other. And even though it didn't turn out very well, I thought one of the things that meant a lot to a couple of weeks ago was when Kareem Hunt talked about the Steelers game. And one of the things he said during this interview um, that I paid attention to is he said, hey, we need to win this one. This one's for miles. And I, 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 my, I, my ears perked up and I said, oh, okay. And yeah, you don't want to make the game by miles, the division game and everything. But I just thought about that. Um, I, to me, that, that that means something. Yeah, I mean, to to me, the Browns are just making smart decisions as far as COVID's concerned. We heard of, I think it was three or four weeks ago, OBJ had uh, 
cold-like symptoms, flu-like symptoms. Right. And what did uh, Stefanski and Andrew Barry decide? Hey, stay home, That's get right. better. Obviously, while he's home, he's getting tested just to make sure that he didn't have the COVID virus. Because, I mean, this day and age, uh, Mo, if you have a cough or, I mean, are you ever sitting at home and you're like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, do I have COVID right now? <laughs> you kind of freak yes. yourself out a little yeah. bit, right? You do. And so, to me, they've just been making really smart decisions, and that's refreshing because past regimes, I don't think they would have handled this COVID thing very well. And we hear news, I mean, not far away in the AFC North with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They Vance McDonald, they're tied in, has cold symptoms. They let him fly on the plane. Exactly. He sits next to Ben Roethlisberger. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is now self-quarantining, and he could very well miss this coming Sunday. So, right. you know, you look at decisions like that, and I know they're defending themselves, and they should, but man, we, you, you know, you, you got to take symptoms. Uh, you can't take them lightly. If you have symptoms stay home, you know, and then, and that's for everybody, not just in the NFL, but for me or you, Hey, if I have symptoms, I'm not going to go to work and expose people to things that I know. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it's the cold or something like that, but it could be COVID. So I want to take every precaution necessary, but yeah, I just think that the Browns are making good decisions and it's, um, it's, it's good to hear. You know, think about that, what you just brought up with the decisions that the Browns are making. And then the thing where we've got, uh, Ingram, Evan Ingram, uh, Daniel Jones, and uh, Saquon Barkley in New York. You know, instead of him talking about, you know, when he's getting ready to have surgery, we hear allegedly that, you know, Daniel Jones and Barkley and uh, Evan Ingram were possibly at a party where they they were shown that they didn't have um, protected themselves with masks. So, yeah, that's interesting that you hear that, you know, that type of thing going on with the Giants versus what? your observation was concerning the Browns. Yeah, I mean, you, you bring up a good point. I, I didn't actually hear that story, but I, I mean, I don't doubt it. Um, the players do have a responsibility, you know, just mm-hmm. like we in society have a responsibility to, to help keep others safe. You know, the players do have a responsibility. So obviously the direction of the leadership is putting the players in a good position to make good thoughts, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. that's what we wanted to do. That We're only halfway through the season, you know, and many thought that when the season kicked off that it was a crapshoot if we we're going to get through all 16 games. I'm I'm now confident that we're going to get through all 16 games in the playoffs and eventually we're going to have a Super Bowl in the NFL, which is was a long shot when this when the season kicked off. So, yeah, you know, I'm very proud of the NFL, Jason. I mean, when I think about it, because I mean, just think about it this weekend, the Buckeyes. I know it's not our topic, but the Buckeyes can't play Maryland, you know. Uh, Pac-10 waited the last of all the conferences to play football, and then you go into the weekend that they have center stage, and four of the games were canceled because of COVID. So, you know, I'm very proud of the NFL, how they've handled it, even when we've had our hiccups and stuff. They have. I, You know, I, they have handled it very well. And, of course, our center, J.C. Treader, um, you know, president of the Players Union, he mm-hmm. he's – you know, he's been a good spokesmodel for this, for this league and the players. Yes. Yes. All right. So we had mentioned earlier, players are getting healthy. This is good news. You know, early in training camp, we started, our players started dropping like flies, you know, Grant Delpit uh, got injured. Mac Wilson got injured. We we had players that got injured and and kind of took away from our enthusiasm of the 2020 season. But now 
players are starting to get healthy. So this is good news for us. Um, Mary Kay Cabot, think about, you know, and people, you know, talk about her, you know, they say yeah. she, she shouldn't be on Twitter. But when I look for Brown's news, uh, that is one account that I do go to is Mary Kay Cabot because I can, I can, I know that if, when I go to her account, it's going to be accurate news. So she is saying Wyatt Teller, Austin Hooper, Jacob Phillips. This is a linebacker. We need help in the linebacker position. Jacob okay. Phillips is back. Miles Garrett. We were all holding our breath on Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb. They're all activated, practicing. Um, I don't know if all of them are expected to play on Sunday versus, versus the Texans, but this is great news, Mo. I mean, it's excellent news. And think about just not even the people that you mentioned, but also think about the fact that a couple weeks ago, Larry Okunjobi missed the game. And he, he missed the game before um, – refresh my memory. Who do we play before he played the Steelers? It was Dallas? Or – no, it wasn't Dallas. It was um, – The Colts? The Colts. He missed that game with an abdominal injury. And then what happened was he came back against the Steelers, but he wasn't 100%. And so you could tell that day in our rush defense, um, Okunjobi wasn't 100%, but he tried to go out there and gut it out. And he had a core muscle injury. So that – you know, those things can be very tricky. Um, one of the things Denzel Ward and you talked about um, Denzel Ward getting a week to rest, Baker getting a week to rest that, you know, that rib. And another thing was Denzel Ward and uh, <clears throat> Denzel Ward and Kareem Hunt both were no, have been nursing groin injuries. So not only is, you know, uh, Hunt been doing double duty, you know, even though Johnson's been spelling him, he's had a groin injury. So just having that extra week is huge for us you know, at this point in the season. To me, it's no better time to have you bite at the middle of the season. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're halfway through. We got eight more games. We talked about Wyatt Teller earlier in the, in the episode, so I'm not going to get back into that. But I will say again, it's awesome to have him back. He's needed in our run game. Let's talk about Nick Chubb. Mm -hmm. um, he was injured the first quarter of the Cowboys game. I thought we, – when we talked about this earlier, our, our running game, just it just took a step back, you know. And you, you can say it's because we're missing Wyatt Teller or Kareem Hunt wasn't 100% healthy. But the, the, the bottom line is we took a step back. Without him, we were 3-2. and two, So that, that's good that, you know, we're 3-2 and two without him in the lineup. But what are your thoughts on his return? I mean, what, what do you expect from Nick Chubb this week? I mean, do you think that – He'll have a heavy load. I'm looking at the Browns running game to have at least 35 carries. So how do you see that split up with, with Hunt and Chubb? I would say with the 35 carries, he's going to need an opportunity. I, I totally agree with you, Jason. 35 carries is an accurate number. But a plain and simple fact, we need him to, one, get into a rhythm, get into a rhythm just with getting the ball and everything like that. And then the other thing we're going to need to do as well is the Texans are uh, one of the worst, one of the worst teams um, against the run in the league. They give about 157, 100, 157 to 157, 160 yards. And so we already know that that's what we have to hang our hat on. And um, one of the keys I think for us is going to have to be, and I'm going to ask you flipping back to you is we're going to have to get in third, third and five or less in more situations than we were against uh, uh, the, the Raiders. And even though the weather was bad and the wind was swirling, I just think for us to be able to have a lot more of our playbook available to us, we can get in third and third and third and five or less 
more often than not is going to be key. But with the running game piece with Nick Chubb, I really look for us to he's – he's going to hit another gear. Because I'm not going to lie to you, Kareem Hunt breaks a lot of tackles and so is Nick Chubb. But think about it. When Nick Chubb gets to that second level and makes that linebacker miss, that's 20 yards off the crack, off the rip. And we're thinking, oh, man, this could possibly, he could possibly take it to the house. I mean, any run that he – anytime he has the ball in your hands, you're thinking he could possibly take this to the house, right? Yes. And that's so exciting to see. And I'm, I'm just glad to have him back in the lineup. Yes. Um, Miles Garrett, we had mentioned earlier, he had the knee scare. We were all – I don't know about you. I was checking Twitter all the time on that one. He had an MRI <laughs> scheduled. I believe it was on Monday. He had yes. an MRI scheduled. Yes. Came back negative. That's good. He's practicing now. He looks great. I don't know if you saw the videos, but he looks great. Mm -hmm. Miles Garrett, we've seen what our defense – We've all right, our defense isn't that good right now, but we've seen what <laughs> our defense looks like without Miles Garrett. Mm -hmm. It is not good, man. So oh, we've exactly. got to have that piece on our defense. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And the thing about it is with Miles Garrett, you got one, you got a running back that's chipping him or a tight end that's chipping him to try to help out. So that that those individuals on that side are occupied. And, when, and one of the things is when, when you got Miles over there, Sheldon Richardson has got that side at Okanjobi. And one of the things I don't know if you noticed the past couple of weeks, when Miles has been in the game, it seems like uh, Olivier Vernon, it's just been, I mean, he looks as good now to me as he has at all since the Browns have had him. And um, we definitely need Miles in there, though, to give our other guys the opportunity to operate from with as minimal resistance as possible. Because when Miles isn't in there, I mean, we know our pass defense is weak, is a weakness. So um, it doesn't, we already know that we lose that advantage of either getting to the quarterback or possibly creating a turnover that Miles has been doing. Definitely going to need him this week. You know, D Deshaun Watson, he's one of he's yeah. one of six players that we have to watch out for. We're going to talk about that game in a minute. But, yeah, Miles yeah. Garrett, we're going to need him this week. Game on. Let's go. All right. Yes. Jacob Phillips, linebacker, LSU. I don't really know a lot about him. I'm not a huge mm -hmm. college football guy. I mean, I do watch it. But, I, you know – when when I see LSU and a defensive player and we got him, mm -hmm. I get excited about that, just like yeah. Grant Delpit, okay? Mm -hmm. So he, he's he's been riddled with injuries ever since week one. He got hurt. Oh. He hasn't really played at all, right? Mm -hmm. But he's back now. He's back um, practicing. I don't know if he, how much he's going to have in this game, but he's a linebacker. We know that's a weak point of our defense, so that's got to be good news, him coming back. Can you tell us anything about Jacob Phillips? Well, one of the things with Jacob Phillips that we looked at, I noticed last year in the uh, national championship game, even though he wasn't the main linebacker for LSU, he was one of the guys that was in the rotation. He can run from sideline to sideline, which is key. We, but, but like you said already, Jason, anybody that can help us at linebacker, we need it. Um, one of the things that I'm noticing, even with um, Taki Taki, um, Sione Taki Taki, and even with, you know, um, uh, Mac, Mac's not 100. Mac's, Mac wasn't 100%. The knee brace came off. He said it the other day. I follow Mac Wilson on Twitter. So anybody that we can get back there, one, that can help us in coverage, and two, that can also, you know, if you can uh, exploit some things where we can do a couple twists up front and blitz, or at least just do make some plays in space. 
that's one of the things where Jacob Services is going to be able to help us, having a linebacker that can make some plays in space because we definitely have a lot of those opportunities that are there. Yeah, we, we need some help in the in the linebacker position. You know, you look at defending against the run, linebackers are so important. You know, that's the second tier of the defense, right? Because if that running back gets pa- past the defensive line, it's the linebackers that are that's supposed it. to tackle that that running back and get him down to the ground. So we, we've been, we've, we've, you know, in the beginning of the season, we were good against the run. Mm-hmm. Here as of late, we haven't been as good against the run. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm excited that he's he's back. Yes. What role he'll play, I don't know. I can't tell you that. Mm-hmm. But I will be watching him when he is on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin Hooper, he had uh, his appendix out. Uh, he he missed one game. He'll be back this week for our offense. He says 100% ready to go. He's not worried about it. That is good news. I you know when we picked up Austin Hooper in the off season, I was giving Andrew Barry an imaginary high five in the air because I was so excited to get Austin Hooper in a Cleveland Browns uniform. Yes. I mean, come on. I didn't see, honestly, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, but what I heard, Stefanski loves to use these tight ends in multiple, form, in multiple formations. He brings them all at the same time. And I'm just glad that he's our coach. I mean, but seeing all these different tight ends and all these different formations, it's awesome. And then somebody splits out wide. Um, but getting the all pro, I mean, come on, man, that was awesome. And then what to get Bryant, to get Bryant in the draft, the 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 Mackey Award winner in college is the top tight end, Harrison Bryant. I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. So, uh, you know, and 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 when you can inspire and have, you know, Injoku, who's just a phenomenal athlete, if he could just, if we could just somehow tap into, tap into get him inspired and get into a rhythm. I mean, you saw the catch you made in the Cincinnati game. So I'm just glad we got Hooper back because Hooper and Mayfield were starting to click a little bit right before he got hurt. They were starting to click a little bit. And um, it was a weird – I mean, you can't call it an injury, right? That's just something that happens to, to us, <laughs> you know, where your appendix is about to literally burst and the mm-hmm. doctors have to take it out surgically. So that's what happened with him. So it was nothing to do with the football field. Mm-hmm. Um all right, let's let's get into the Browns versus Texans. The Texans are two and six. Mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien fired as their HC, their head coach. Romeo Cronell, you're you're a longtime Browns fan. You remember him. He was the head coach yes. of the Cleveland Browns not too long ago. Yes. Um, this team is sub five hundred, but certainly we cannot look past this team, and I don't think that we will. I mean, we're coming off of a ugly loss against the Raiders so we're, we're definitely dialed into this game we're focused what are your initial thoughts of this game as the Houston Texans come to town well one of the things I think about with the Texans is uh I don't think we can afford to write down any game that we play the rest of the way with and say automatic win um I get into arguments on Twitter on Browns Twitter with everybody about it um they took me to task last week talking about this game I said, guess what? If we can't afford to look past them, uh, the Texans, even though they're underperforming and probably out of the playoff race um, right now. Uh, we just we we need to win. We need to win, and we need to learn how to win with this group that we have. And the thing that makes them dangerous is, and you'll get into it a little bit later, is um they got some guys that can make some plays. I know you probably saw this past Sunday. You know, uh, 
Will Fuller. Will Fuller yeah. was making some plays. He's physically, he's one of the more gifted receivers if you can just keep him healthy. And um, let me ask you this. What are your thoughts on the fact that the starting running back for the Texans this week is going to be Duke Johnson? David Johnson had a concussion last week. He's not going to clear protocol. Romeo Cornell said it in a press conference today. So think about it. Duke Johnson is coming back. He's coming back to Cleveland to play against his old team. He's probably going to be the number one back. I think that's a nice thought, right? And it, it would be a great story for Duke Johnson coming back to Cleveland and really sticking it to us. But I just don't think that's going to be the storyline on Sunday. I really do believe we're going to be able to stop the run. I mean, Duke Johnson's averaging – two point something yards per carry. He, he's not a, fe- he's not a three down back. He's not a featured back. He, he's a good back. He, you know, mm-hmm. he can run. He can also catch the ball. So I do think we got to look out for him, but I don't think he's going to be a game changing back that beats the Cleveland Browns. Although his attitude, I mean, he's going to come in wanting to wanting it, right. He's going to be really, I, I'm sure when the season started, he had this game circled on his calendar. He's going to come trying to get it. Uh, you know, we have to make sure that he doesn't, and I don't think he will. Right. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it's. Um, I think the key for us is going to be, like you said, trying to find out. Um, can we get somebody that can cover him out the backfield on these third downs? Uh, you know, B.J. Goodson is is, is a good linebacker, um, and, and Malcolm Smith is good as well. He's just a little long in the tooth. I mean, you know, the one from Seattle. It's just going to be really about containing them, but um. You know, uh, like you said, if we got a healthy Miles, that's 100%, and we can keep some pressure on uh, Deshaun Watson, that's going to help us a lot. All right, the Texans, you you'd mentioned this earlier. The Texans are ranked last in run. You just talked about Duke Johnson. Let's talk about our running game, because I think this is going to be the key to the Browns' victory, to mm-hmm. be quite honest with you. The Texans are ranked last in run defense, and they're ranked 30th mm-hmm. in total defense. 30th. So. When you look at that stat, Mo, um, can we get excited? I mean, because we have Nick Chubb back. We have Kareem Hunt back. We have Wyatt Teller back. Can we, we, I mean, that's what we're looking at, right? And we want to establish the run game this coming Sunday. Do you think that's going to be the main focus of the Kevin Stefanski offense? I think it's going to be the main focus, not only because of the fact where we got some younger receivers outside, but if you've noticed the game where we've really been able to exploit uh, some different things with the uh, with the with the uh, play action passing with Baker, where we get the rollout and where we get the rollout, the bootlegs and things like that. We've got the running game working. That end can't clamp down and necessarily force him, force Baker to hold the, you know, to, to get rid of the ball quicker because our run is just coming at him, just coming at him, just coming at him. So I love what we've been doing with that. And I think the key here is going to be if the Browns possess the ball, at least, at least, 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes, anywhere from 30 to 30, 33 minutes, we'll win this. We'll win this game. I mean, we haven't in the last couple of games. I'm looking at the average, but if we possess the ball anywhere from 30 to 33 minutes, we'll win this game. I, I believe so. It, it's funny. You just sent me a message on on the chat on this call about Deshaun Watson, and, and that's actually my next point on my notes about containing Deshaun Watson right um Deshaun Watson can beat you with his feet he can also beat you with his arm you know Mm -hmm. he can extend plays with his feet and his arm he has 17 TDs this year and only three INTs you know on the season so you know how do you contain uh, because to me you have to look at uh 
five, maybe six players. Deshaun Watson. Right. Will Fuller. Mm-hmm. Brandon Cooks. Right. And on the defense, J.J. Watt. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to throw in Duke Johnson as a bonus just because it is his homecoming game, right? He's come oh. back to Cleveland. So I'm going to throw oh. him in there as well. Mm-hmm. But let, let's talk about Deshaun Watson. How do you contain that guy, man? Because he can destroy a game on you. The thing with us, what we're going to have to do with a guy like him that, that actually can uh, control the game with his legs and sometimes create havoc is one of the things um, our linebackers are going to have to pick up, even though when they drop back in coverage, you're going to have to see the ball. Because that's one of the things that the Bengals did and exploited us with uh, Joe Burrow, which is on a third and like 11, the Bengals ran a quarterback draw. And so if they, you know, and it seems like sometimes we've had trouble with that this year. But one of the other things is we're going to have to maintain our rush lane integrity. That means up the middle, we're going to have to come in and kind of pinch in and try to collapse the pocket. Because we know Miles likes to get wide and come around the end sometimes. So we're going to have to, up the middle, maintain our integrity so that he, if Deshaun Watson comes up, make him come out and around instead of running just straight back up the middle. Don't give him anywhere to run, which gives our linebackers and other people more of a chance because the play is extended. But if we have huge gaping holes up the front with our rush lane integrity, it it, it kind of puts us, you know, everybody else at will and we're kind of playing, you know, and he can make people miss. Not only is he fast, but he can make people miss too. So um, that just creates all kind of problems. But rush lane integrity is going to be key for us as far as um, trying to contain him, as far as his legs. And you talked about him only throwing three interceptions. He's having quite a year. So the question comes back to why are they so bad? But you said it, they're, the defense. It's, yeah. I'm sorry, I misspoke. If I said three, I meant five. He has five uh, interceptions on the year, but that's still fantastic. I mean, it is. good night. Um, yeah, so, you know, our, our defensive line, to, to me, you have to keep uh, Deshaun Watson in front of you, and, and you can't run past him because once you run past him as a defensive lineman, he's gone, right? He's gone, and that's one less <laughs> defender you have of catching him, man. You have to keep him in front of you, seal seal the edges because he'll run mm-hmm. around. That's where our linebackers come in. But, yeah, seal those edges. We have to contain that guy because Deshaun Watson is talented, um, he can throw, he's accurate, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and, and he, he can mm-hmm. beat you with his feet. I mean, I don't know how many rushing yards he has this year, but it's, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he can beat you on the run. Yeah, and the thing is, especially like on those third and sevens or, or third, uh, you know, like third and five, um, you know, where we've got good coverage and our guys are kind of sticking with people. I mean, he can just get out of there. And by the time we, we end up, you know, getting wind of it where we're yelling, oh, run, run. You know, he's already picked up seven yards. Yeah, he's, he's gone. He's got the first down. And so you just and – that, and that just – you know, that can break that can break the morale of a team. You know, you're thinking, oh, okay, we, we, we forced him into – we're about to get ready to force him into a punt. We got great coverage. And then he comes out and scrambles anywhere from, you know, six to ten yards, and it keeps the drive going. Yeah, I mean, the, the Browns have to do a better job than what we did against the Raiders. The Raiders, they, they – they, the Raiders held us to only six possessions the entire game. That's it. I mean, they, they, they had the ball the rest of the time. I, I think they had the ball for almost 40 minutes. I think it was 38 minutes. Time of possession battle was won by the Raiders. Mm-hmm. We have to win this time of possession battle against the Texans. Um, we have to – you had mentioned, you know, getting them off the field. The Browns didn't do a good job of that last week, uh, mm-hmm. two weeks ago, excuse me. But this, <clears throat> this week we have to get off the field, um, get them in third and long situations. 
we, we were horrible on third downs and even fourth downs. You know, they were converting on us. You, you can't be a playoff team and, and have a bad stat in that category, in my opinion. We have to get better. You, I mean, you're right. I mean, you're thinking about it. You're talking about being a playoff team. And you know what? To me, that stat that you just brought up with us, with our defense getting off the field, but more more importantly, us winning the time of possession. If we win the time of possession, our defense spends less time on the field. And we already are acknowledging that, hey, it's one of our weaker units, whether it's the pass defense or whatever. But the more time we possess the ball, the less time the defense is on the field. You see what I mean? So that's one of the things we have to, um, I think, uh, that that can be our time of possession can be our best defense right there. You know, we, we if you think about it that way. And um, the other thing you talked about, just the third downs. I mean, just, I mean, okay, we're giving up third downs. Got it. Third and three, third and four, we gave it up. But it's it's, it's rough when it's fourth and two and another, or fourth and one, and the team keeps going for it, and they're getting it. I mean, that, uh, that, that, that can't be. Now we win. That's not winning football. Yeah, you had mentioned about, uh, you know, getting off the field, time of possession. That's, that's again, it, it all comes back to our running game. It all circles back to that. If we can run the ball effectively, milk that clock, end those possessions in a, a field goal, more than likely a touchdown, you know, we're going to win this game. I, mm-hmm. I'm not looking past the Houston Texans. I'm not looking, like you mentioned, I'm not looking past anybody. I think that that we have to show up every single week if we want to get a W. There is no easy wins, including against the Jets and the Cow, uh, not the Cowboys, the Giants. You know, the back-to-back week weeks we go into New York. There is not going to be an easy win. But man, if we want to finish ten and six, that means we have to get five more wins this right. this this year. This is a win that we need to have this week right here against the Houston yes. Texans. Yes, we got to have it. I mean, think about it. The Raiders won last week again, but and the Raiders are one of the teams we're competing with for a playoff spot, but we have to have this one. All right, we're going to get into predictions of this game. And Do you have any other thoughts about this, this game uh, before we get into the next uh, segment? The only other thought I was going to say is that we have to have um, we have to have somebody else in our passing game. Like you talked about getting Hooper back. We got to get one of those tight ends. I'm looking for one of them to have a breakout game. I don't know how you feel about it, but one of them have to have a breakout game because they're rotating coverage to Jarvis or they can take the teams can take more risks because one, he's not 100 percent. And we know that he's the only, I guess what I would call main receiver that we have, you know, prove a receiver. So and you could say, hey, we want one of our other receivers to step up. But I'm looking for one of the tight ends to step up and have a good game. It's a good point, Mo. Yeah, we didn't really talk about our receivers, and you're right. Um, when you look at our receivers, our tight ends are part of that equation. So we're looking for Harrison Bryant, Austin Hooper, or even David Njoku just to make big plays this Sunday. Jarvis Landry, he's always he's just money, right? <laughs> you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it. I know he had a bad game a couple weeks ago, but normally you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it. Yeah. OBJ is gone. You can't just replace OBJ, but, um, you know, we are looking for some receivers to step up. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we need to look at to see how, how that works out. But it all does start with our running game because our running game will open up the pass game, in my opinion. All right, well, let, let's, uh, let's look at the playoff picture. You know, um, I know that our football team 
they're not looking at the playoff picture because right now they're looking at the Houston Texans. But me and you, we're fans. It's okay for us to look at that. So let's look at the current AFC picture. There's, As we know, it's the extended playoffs, so we have seven spots to to make the playoffs. You have four division winners, three, three wild cards. So the division mm-hmm. winners right now are Steelers at 8-0, perfect record, haven't been beat yet. Chiefs at 8-1, their number two spot. Bills are at 7-2. and two. Titans at number four spot at six and two. And then your wild card so far, I mean, if the playoffs were to start right now, your wild card teams would be the Ravens at six and two, the Raiders at five and three, and the surprise Dolphins at five and three. You know, the Dolphins were a team, if you listen to my episode a couple weeks ago, I didn't think, I thought they were tanking. I mean, they, they, they bench fits magic. They put into a, he was shocked. I was, everybody was shocked. And you just thought, okay, the, 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 the Miami Dolphins are tanking this year. There's no possible way they can make a playoff spot. But here they, they sit four straight wins. I mean, four straight wins. Yeah, four straight wins. They even, and they even went on the road to beat an Arizona team that, you know, has been a pleasant surprise. They're playing for the top, you know, near the top of the NFC West, one of the tougher divisions of football. And you're talking about them. And so I, I – I didn't have Miami anywhere on my scope, and Miami's playing winning football. Um, I don't know what's going on. He, he, you know, Flores has got those guys inspired. Um, one of the other things that you also talked about was just looking at the convoluted AFC playoff picture. I mean, really, we can't – honestly, we can't afford to lose because we got so many teams that, that, that are right there with us. We're going to f- fall behind. Steelers look great. I thought Dallas had them, and they let them go, let them get off the hook. You know, Baltimore, you would think Baltimore was probably like four and five, the way they were talking. Uh, Lamar was talking today, talking about individuals calling out their plays. Um, but, you know, when when, when when you supposed to be a Super Bowl contender and, and you lose the big game, I guess that's kind of how things go. But um, the one thing about the NFC playoff picture that I'm surprised about, too, and a team that people don't, don't need to sleep on is are the Buffalo Bills. Um, they had an impressive win this week against Seattle. Uh, what do you think about what do you think about that? They won forty four to thirty four. Yeah, I mean the Bills they they you know strung off three straight wins, right? Um, Josh Allen is looking like a stud. Stephon Diggs, they got John Brown back. Um, yeah, the Buffalo Bills are a real football team, and they're at the top of their division right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you look at the AFC playoffs, it's pretty tight. It's pretty tight. I mean, you look at the teams that are in the hunt. We're one of those teams that are in the hunt at five and three. The Colts are in the hunt at five and three. Mm-hmm. So you have teams that are in the hunt that are above 500. Now, are all these teams sustainable? Are the wins that they've had sustainable? Mm-hmm. Probably not. I think, you know, the second half of the season, you're going to see who the teams that really want to make the playoffs are going to be. Hopefully the Browns are one of those teams. I'm of the opinion if we get to 10 wins, we're in. But if you look at it now, I don't know, man. I mean, it's looking pretty tight in there. <laughs> it is. It's looking, it's looking real tight. And the other thing is, like you said, um, we, we can't afford to think that any game is an automatic win. Uh, thankfully, we've already beat, you know, Dallas. But, you know, down the stretch, we got to play an Eagles team that um, they may end up going, you know, 7-9 and nine or something and win the NFC East. You know what I mean? As bad as that division is, but at the six same time. Six and ten time, could probably win it. <laughs> thank you. Six and ten could probably win it. But at the same time, like you said, reiterated before, 
we can't afford to say that any any team or any game is a you know is a gimme. Everybody plays for the shield. That's all you know that represents the shield. So um, I just really think the big thing for us is to develop some good habits, get a couple more wins under our belt, and get some you know get some confidence that we can do this, even in spite of some of the injuries that we've had, especially the OBJ. Um, but you know, like you said, the it, it starts now. Now we're in the stretch run second half of the year let's see what type of effort we can put together yeah to me it looks like we need to we need to have five more wins we're we're five and three right now the goal is to get to 10 and six the browns opponents at the second half of the season they have a combined record of 28 and 37 and one Mm. right so so let's look at the schedule we play the texans this week Mm. we're going to get our predictions in a minute that's a winnable game in my opinion, it's a game we should win. Honestly, right. next week we have the Eagles also at home. They're three, four, and one. That's a winnable game. That's a game that we should win. Right. Then we're at Jacksonville. Jacksonville's one and seven. We should definitely win that game. Mm-hmm. So there's three winnable games there in a row. Now, are we going to win all three? We should. You know, maybe we won't. Maybe we'll be two and one in those. But if we're two and one there, we got to win a game that we weren't supposed to win later in the schedule. So after that, it gets tough. Right. We're at Tennessee Titans. We all know what that team is. They're tough. I mean, they're six and two. They, even the even their losses were. You know, they went down to the wire against the Steelers. They're that that that's a good football team. The Tennessee Titans. We saw what they did to us last year. They're they're a good coached, a good run football team. Then we have the Ravens are coming to town. Those are two tough games. If we lose one of the next three, in my opinion, we're going to have to win one of those two games to stay in this 10 and six talk. That's right. And it's, and, and I'm honest with you, it's 10 and six talk with the way that these teams are all tightly bunched together. 10 and six is where we need to be at the end of the year to, I would say, if we're 10 and six, we're in control of our own destiny and we're not dependent on somebody else to lose or you know all those other things like week 16 and 17 we need three teams to lose and for us to win for us to get a playoff for us to get a playoff spot 10 and 6 is what we need to be yeah i i never liked the 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 game where we have to depend on other teams to lose i mean mm-hmm. that's the reality of the nfl you know that right. happens but like you said i want to be in control of our own destiny and to me 10 and 6 gets you there. 9 and 7, it's possible you get there, but it's definitely not a guarantee. And 8 and 8, you're probably not going to make the playoffs. So it's got to be 9 and 7 or 10 and 6 if you definitely want to make the playoffs. So, all right. So after the Ravens, we're in New York two weeks in a row the Giants and the Jets. Mm. Giants have been playing a little, I mean, they're only two, 2 and 7, right? They haven't won a lot of games, but to me, they've been a little more competitive in the mm-hmm. games that they've been in. The Jets, we just saw, oh, my gosh, man. The Jets are 0-9. They almost beat, was it the Patriots, a couple nights ago. That's right. Yes. <laughs> and an unbelievable game. So those two, three weeks ago, we thought they were going to be easy outs. They're not. We just said a couple minutes ago, there's no easy outs. In my opinion, we have to win those two games hands down. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it goes back to what you said, too, as well. Two weeks in a row we're in New York. They're at home. You know, yeah. it's, it, it goes back to the same site or whatever. It's irrelevant. They're home and we're traveling. We're on the road. So th- that's key. We have to. But we have we can't afford to give away any games that we should be winning. 
And one of the things that scared me a couple of weeks ago with the Cincinnati game, sitting here panicking because I said to myself, if we let Cincinnati hang around longer than we're supposed to, we're going to lose the game. Not necessarily because they're better than us, but because once you let those teams hang around, you, they start getting confidence and it just it just makes, you know, the game's a crapshoot at the end of the game. Totally. Yeah, you got to put those teams away. I 100% yeah. agree. And then, of course, week 17, we face the Steelers at home. Um, you know, everybody knows they're undefeated right now. And that, that could, could be a game that maybe they're resting their starters. Who knows? But even if they're resting their starters, there's yeah. – their second team is going to be playing just as hard. I mean, they're going to want to beat us that game. So hopefully mm-hmm. doesn't come down to that. So, all right, let's look at the Texans, Eagles, Jaguars. That, that to me is three very winnable games. So let's look at that as three wins. Okay. You have the Titans and Ravens. Those are going to be tough. Um, if, we, if we win the next three, we can afford really to lose the next two games. But if we lose one of those three, then in my opinion, we have to split between the Titans and the Ravens. Then you have the Giants and Jets. That's, that's your five wins right there. Texans, Eagles, Jaguars, Giants, Jets. If you lose one of those games, then you're going to have to beat either the Titans, the Ravens, or the Steelers to make it to 10 and six. That's where, Hey, when, before the season started, you know, I, I predicted a ten and six record. You can go back to episode twelve. I had us at four and four at this point, so we're one game better than what I had Great. us at. Hey, so what do I have to complain about? I did predict wow. us winning this Houston game, so let's win that. Um, what are your predictions for for this game? Do you have any predictions? Maybe score individual players. Do you have any predictions for the Houston Texans game? My predictions for this game are uh, we'll probably uh, I actually will say this that uh, we'll we'll I believe that the Browns are going to win. I believe that the game will be twenty seven to twenty one. Twenty seven to twenty one. The Browns the Browns will win the game. Um, Nick Chubb will come back, and between him and Kareem Hunt, you know, kind of playing off each other, the Browns should. Um, I believe that we're going to accumulate about. Uh, you know, about 120 yards on the ground and uh, about anywhere from 120 yards or more on the ground. That's my score. 27 to 21 Browns will win this game. 27 to 21 and mm-hmm. 120 yards on the ground. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the over-under is 49 and a half. I think it might have moved just to 50, but let's just say it's 50 is the over-under. And the Browns are favored by three points. Um, <laughs> I am I am somewhat with you. I think that we are going to win 24 to 17 Browns. So mm-hmm. it was that 34 So I'm also predicting the under. You know, the weather is going to be a little sloppy. It's I, I hear it's going to be raining in Cleveland. Okay. Uh, it's going to be a little windy. So it's going to be a little sloppy. That's going to fare well with the running game. I am predicting that the Browns get – 200 yards in rushing this week. 200 yards for the Cleveland Browns rushing attack is what I'm predicting. So, hey, let's go Browns. Hey, Jason, I do got one question for you, though, about this, um, about last game. We deferred when we won the talks, right? We deferred when we won the talks against the Raiders. Now, deferred means, of course, yeah, we, when we decided to kick off, you know, second half or, or, you know, we got the ball for a second half. Here's why I didn't understand. 
did we have to, at the beginning of the game, choose which way we were going? Because I still am kind of burnt by the fact we went with the win in the third quarter and into the win in the fourth. Yeah, so if you defer on the coin flip, Mm -hmm. um, you yeah, they get the kickoff and then you get to decide which way that you're going. So I don't know. I I didn't really pay attention to that, of the decision making of that. But, um, man, it was just a sloppy game, man. I mean, Mm -hmm. that first kick of the the, the Raiders, was it Carlson, the field goal kicker? Did you see that ball? It was going to the right and then went to the left. I mean, (laughs) I thought of Phil Dawson at least seven times during that game. I'm like, what would Phil Dawson do? Thank you. You said the same thing I said. And the only thing I kept saying to myself, I said, man, we should have took the other way. But that also comes down to, I don't know if you were watching the game, but I was watching the game on TV. And one of the uh, sideline reporters talked about Phil Dawson didn't look at the flags that were in the corner so much. The actual American flag, city of Cleveland flag, Browns flag. He looked at a smaller flag that he had placed on the other end of the stadium. And he said that way he knew what the wind was doing inside of the bowl of the stadium. And that's how he kicked the ball. But then we know Phil Dawson. I told my son the other day, I said, Marcus, if that was Phil Dawson kicking that ball at Park, he missed, he would have made it. He said, why? The wind was too bad. I said, Phil Dawson knows in Cleveland in November, December, you got to keep the ball down. If I'm Mike Prefer, our special teams coordinator, I'm mm-hmm. having Phil Dawson in my training camp yes. every single year with my field goal kicker, and we are going to talk about that poll and what it means. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Spread the word. <laughs> Let's get that done. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, th- this is the time of the show where I want to give you a chance to, to give yourself a plug. Where can listeners find you at? I know you're on Twitter, but where can mm-hmm. the listeners find you at, man? Well, actually, they can find me, you know, at uh, Rev7206 on Twitter. And one of the things I'm working on is a um, a podcast. It's called Give and Go. Uh, One of the podcasts I am going to do within the next couple of weeks, um, people have been asking for, is kind of like do a history of sports franchises. Um, Just uh, one of the one. The first one I'm coming out with is going to be about the Cavs. Um, Talking about how the Cavs came to be, you know, from Richfield, you know, from the, the arena, the Richfield Coliseum and all that other stuff up to now. Um, one of the things that I'm very passionate about, obviously, is Cleveland sports, but I'm also um, passionate about just different things, kind of like what the uh, different emotions and different things us Cleveland sports fans go through, uh, just um, following our teams and things of that nature. Um, particularly, uh, maybe you and I can talk later on, but I would love to sit down and talk with somebody about the move and to talk about what most Browns fans did during that three years we didn't have the Browns on Sunday. Um, some people, I will tell you, some people I've talked to, they didn't do anything. Of course, we found other things to do. But I will tell you, uh, Saturday, I was watching Ohio State faithfully during that time. Um, on Sunday, I found other things to do. I could care less. Part of me for the first year was just kind of ambivalent. I didn't like the NFL, even though we were getting the Browns back. But um, I just think that's interesting dichotomy. Um and I think part of it has a lot to do with uh, why many of us love the Buckeyes so much. Not to say that we didn't before, but you'll also find some of our Browns fans, hate to say it, but some of them went and became, you know, fans of that other team down the turnpike. Ooh, man. Yeah, you know that happened. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting, Mo. I, you know, keep me updated about your podcast that's coming up. Anything I can do to help, I'm here for yes. you. 
Um, definitely, man. We, we, any, any podcast about sports and especially Cleveland sports, All right. I'm an advocate for. So I'm definitely okay. want to help you, help you do whatever I can um, yes. to get that rolling. So, right. um, well, very good. Well, Mo, this was a lot of fun. Let's yeah. definitely do this again. We have eight more games in the season, so <laughs> there'll be a time and a place that we can probably come on this podcast and talk again. And it was definitely an honor to have you, man. Hey, man, thank you so much. Um, I hope I didn't take too long with my answers and take up too much of your time. But, man, this was a joy. You know, something like this, man, I do this. You know, uh, you know, you find some, I just feel we're lucky and how blessed we are, man, to have opportunity to do something that we do for free. And I just um, thank you for having me on. But the other thing is, I just love the way your podcast is. It's just like we're having a conversation, like we're sitting down, just, you know, you know, uh, uh, drinking a couple of, of beverages and we're just kind of sitting out back on the back porch or something, man. This is really, really wonderful. And uh, if you want to uh, give me opportunity to be on again, I would, I would surely would love hundred percent, man. Let's make sure that happens. Stay in touch, buddy. Right. I always like to end the podcast with a go Brown. So one, two, three, go, go Brown. Brown.